Do you believe in karma? Wayne Dyer once said, how people treat you is their karma. How you react to them is yours. But how often do we see people that do horrendous things, seem to be just uh, not caring about anybody but themselves, dominate, maybe even hurt others, and just seem to get away with it without any consequences? So if karma is the law of cause and consequences, why does nothing happen? Why is there no justice? Is there no justice in the universe? Or is there maybe something else happening? Something that a lot of people have trouble believing, which could be that this is not our only life, that there are many lives we have been living before and possibly many lives we're going to live afterwards. And so we're just carrying our karma from one to the next until it's resolved. Sounds too crazy to be true? Well, today I have invited a guest who has written many books about her past lives and also has addressed the uh, karma question in, in really beautiful and powerful ways. Her name is Dina Merriam, and she's the author of several best-selling books. Among those uh, is her recollection of her first memories of past lives, which is called My Journey Through Time. And her latest book is called The Untold Story of Sita, which carries her even further back in time. Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. So Dina, welcome to Get Real. I'm so glad that you're here today. And uh, yeah, I'm honored that you take the time to speak with us. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be in conversation with you. Well, I mean, first of all, your book, I mean, the, I looked just at the latest that I sent, that you sent, and it's just fascinating. It's a beautiful love story. And it's something that is all about this topic that we want to talk about, past lives. Now, you had probably not always believed in past lives. I mean, when was your first introduction or even an encounter with a past life? You know, it, 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 um, since I was young, it always made sense to me as that's the way the universe works. Because how do you explain things that happen? How do you explain why some people are sick? Some people have healthy bodies, some people are wealthy, some people, how do you explain all the events in your life? It's, it didn't make sense to me that it was just arbitrary, because it's not an arbitrary universe, the universe is governed by law. So there's the law of gravity, there are laws of physics, the universe is physical universe is governed by law. So I thought the same thing was is is true of the the spiritual aspect of our lives, which determines um, the events, our thinking our thought patterns. And so I always accepted that as part of as really as a scientific reality. But even without any religious background or without was this... any religious background, I, I was born Jewish uh, in a very secular uh, family that that the, the religion was art. My, my parents, my parents were art lovers. 
Um, but I always had a spiritual nature and was seeking. And then when I came across, when I went to college, I came across my guru's book, which my guru is Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, and he wrote the autobiography of a yogi. And it was just when the teachings of the East were coming to the West. And uh, uh, he explained karma and rebirth in a scientific way, not as a matter of belief, but as a way of this is the way the universe works. And, and then I started investigating and I found out that this, this, this understanding exists in all of the religious traditions, but it's been suppressed because uh, if you have innumerable lives, the institutions have less control over you. It's much better from an institutional point of view to say, you wanna be saved, do it this way. Mm. And, and, and you got one shot at it, that's it. And if you don't do it this way, just think, eternity. <laughs> But Hinduism wasn't like that, right? I mean, they... Hinduism, the, the Dharma traditions, the traditions of the East, are not that way. They, they, and so as I delved more into this, uh, so for many, many decades now, I've been interested in understanding how this law works. It's incredibly complex, as are all the laws of the universe. I mean, we're at the stage now in science where physicists are seeing some of the things they thought to be true that that there are there are subtler laws right they don't know how the universe is structured how it works so our rational minds can't comprehend it but as i began to um as my own memories of my past births emerged and they started to emerge you know about 30 years ago i wrote about i wrote about it in my first book my journey through time uh because i checked everything out i had uh, because I was brought up in a secular environment, I, I, I had a, a doubting Thomas within me. And so the places that I saw in my memories, I actually went to those places. Uh, I saw that my past birth had been in Russia, but that I had died in Prague during the World War II. I went to Prague to find the street that I had seen, that I had remembered. I went to St. Petersburg to find the neighborhoods that I had, re that I had recalled. And you so found I, them. I did. And so I began to, now, it's interesting, after I, I wrote my first book, um, I was a little nervous about publishing it because uh, uh, I work in the interfaith context. I'm an interfaith organizer, or I was, I do that less now. Uh, but after it had been um, published, I got a, um, an email from a dear friend who was a, a Christian theologian. And he said, Dina, I read your book, I have to talk to you. And I got nervous and I didn't respond to him. And I said, oh my goodness, <laughs> how am I? I'll tell him to read it like it's a novel. But he called me and he said, this opened his eyes and he started researching. And he said, all the research now, there's so much documentation and there's no other way to explain it. You know, people who have had phobias, who've gone back into their memories and, and, and have been able to get to the source of the phobias, all the work of psychologists and psychiatrists who have now begun to find ways for people to access these memories. Um, and so he said to me, there's no other way to explain it. And I realized that this is now becoming common knowledge. And, um, you know, there's a phenomenon uh, called the hundredth monkey. If a, if a certain number of the species gain a skill, it spreads across the species. Right. And I think that um, there'll be, there'll be, so what I tried to do in my first book is reconcile the Western and Eastern concepts. 
And it's a matter of identity. If you identity, if I identify totally as Dina, as this person with this family and that, then, then that personality dies. Yes, that's true. But if I identify as the being who moves from personality to personality and personality, take, taking the learning with her, then it's a totally different, yes, I go into the other dimension. We call it the celestial world, but today we would say another dimension when you leave your body. And that looks like a heaven or that looks like whatever, 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 whichever worlds you go to, there are many worlds, right? And so people have this memory of, 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 of yes, there's a heaven, right? But you don't stay there, you come back because you're not finished. So in, in, in what I realized is that there is no judgment, there's no judge, there's no punishment, there's no reward. Simply the law of karma is a universal law of, of, of maintaining equilibrium in the universe, of balancing itself. And so thought and action is an energy. Uh, uh, any energy you, you uh, put out has to be returned as a balancing principle. But how it's returned uh, and when it's returned is left to innumerable, uh, is left open. But is it up to, I mean, you're, you're jumping ahead because I wanted to definitely talk about karma as well. And I'm going to come back to this because it's a very important question about, you know, this equilibrium that you mentioned. But just quickly going back to this uh, past life rememberings that you had, because I know a lot of people that I have been working with, you know, in uh, past life regressions and hypnosis, they do have memories, but they often say, well, I'm just making it up. And was it for you also something at the beginning where it just was a spontaneous memory? Was it in a dream? Was it in a in a meditation? How did you remember your first uh, lifetimes? So I, I was I was have been a meditator since I was very young, and I practice a form of, of kriya. I practice kriya yoga, which is a form of working with the energy in the in the spine. It's a powerful it's a powerful practice, uh, uh, and uh, I attribute my memories to my meditation, it happened spontaneously. Uh, all of my memories, and I've gone back to many lives. In my first book, I go back seven lives, sequentially. And each time, I uh, uh, sometimes it starts with a vision. At night, between sleep and waking, and you know, at that four o'clock hour, where suddenly I see myself in another time frame in another body. And sometimes I hear something, but it's a powerful image. And around that time, somebody steps into my life from that time period, and then the memory is awakened. So there's always a trigger. Mm. There's always a person or a place. Uh, 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 the first few times, it's the first three times, it was with this dream vision where I would see myself. Um, uh, the first time I saw myself as a, as a young girl, uh, uh, 1900s, early 1900s, and I asked where? And, and now I heard a voice that said, you've always wanted to see your past birth. This is you. And then I asked where, and I heard, I heard Russia, which surprised me. I assumed my past life was in India. I thought, Russia, what was I doing in Russia? <laughs> and then the memories. Now, it's um, this first time it happened to me, I was quite a bit younger. I was a single mom raising two kids. I'd been married to a psychiatrist, so I really checked myself out right I was divorced mm -hmm. really divorced and 
it's not just remembering, oh, I was in Russia. I relived that life. I spent months reliving it. And I would go into states, altered states, where I would be back in time reliving it. And there was a lot of significance for me because there was closure. I, I think our purpose is to bring closure, is to resolve patterns. You know, people think of karma as being relationships or work. It's patterns of thinking that we have mm. to outgrow, that we have to resolve. You know, for example, if you have a lack of confidence, if you don't feel confident in yourself, that's likely a mental pattern that's developed over a period of time. So we're, we're given opportunities to outgrow these patterns. So it was rather, it was a somewhat destabilizing experience for me the first time, uh, which is why I don't encourage people to dig. If it comes to you spontaneously, it's for mm -hmm. a purpose. Mm -hmm. But I don't encourage people to go digging. I agree. I agree. And usually I say this to my clients too, that we go back when it really feels like this is where the root is. This is where the pattern started, but not just to have a glimpse and see, Hey, what happened, you know, way back. Although I'm just wondering if we all take learnings from the past and also patterns from the past, why don't we more often spontaneously remember what happened i mean you know you are in some ways an exception that's also why you know, you're well known for your books why does it not happen to me and joe schmo and all other people that uh, may be curious about it but somehow they don't have a really recollection about it you know i've thought a lot about that <laughs> and i i thought a lot about whether to 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 talk about this openly or whether just to use this as experiences my own learning. And I think one of the reasons that I've been given these experience, there, had, there was a time in my journey, my soul journey, when there was a being who opened my memory for me. And that it never closed after that. And I, I actually recounted in this book, when, uh, when the Bright Moon Rises, uh, when this being in, the, in the, uh, another dimension opens my memory. And he said, there's a danger in doing that. The danger was that it never quite closed. The curtain was always a little open. I felt I was born with the curtain being a little open. Um, but, but I think that it, it, um, it could be a tremendous distraction when I think about how destabilizing my first experience was when I really, we lived, you know, I relived World War II. I relived some of the trauma of that. And, and I think people have these unconscious memories and live out the trauma in a less conscious way. Mm -hmm. You know, I know somebody who's doing a lot of work with people who uh, who are working out trauma from World War II still. I mean, that trauma is still within our collective mm -hmm. uh, uh, in, in, in many ways. Um, uh, and other traumas, too. I mean, as a, as a collective, we hold so many traumas, you know. Uh, in the U.S., we're working through the trauma of slavery now, which has not yet been resolved, and trauma of the genocide of the indigenous uh, peoples. So we hold these collectives and can we more consciously, uh, and maybe now is the time to more consciously work out this past and maybe more people now will have these memories. I think, I think more people are, I mean, there's, there are tools now, there are techniques, as you right. know, right? right? To help people get to the source of, of the issues. I mean, I have to say, for me, it was often in dreams. I mean, I'm very convinced about past lives because 
I had at least four or five dreams that were so, you know, engrossing, walking through streets that were so familiar, feeling like, yeah, I know exactly around the corner there is a little tavern, but it was a different time. It was a city that I'd never been, but the moment I woke up, I felt like a, almost like a longing, a, you know, a homesickness of wanting to, you know, more, know more about it or go back and revisit and, so that was not, uh, you know, a, a dream based on something that I had experienced in this lifetime. And three times I had experienced my death in three different bodies. So these were all dreams and maybe my subconscious made it up, but I really do believe more that these were, you know, maybe reverberations of past lives that came up. I, 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 I think um, when people have said to me, maybe it's your imagination, what is imagination? What is imagination? Well, it's basically the subconscious doing something. <laughs> I, I think it's it's the memories from the subconscious coming out. I, yeah. I see a lot of um, a lot of novels are are memories of, of especially historical novels are memories from the past. Whether it's one of Zone's memories or something in the collective that you've drawn down. And I think that when now that you mention it, ten years before I really recalled my my past and had this dream vision. I used to dream of a certain house. It was my, my Dhaka in Russia. And I would dream of that house and wake up with such a sadness because I had been sent out of Russia during the revolution at the age of 14 <clears throat> into Europe uh, and then died in Europe but, but, um, and left my parents behind. And so it was that sadness that, that stayed with me. And I, didn't, I couldn't know where the, the house was. I just remembered walking through the house, saying goodbye to the house. And so I think that... Um, in dreams, we're much more open. We, we, we allow things to emerge. Uh, often they're incoherent, or at least when we wake up, we, they appear to us to be incoherent. Right. Because we just remember fragments of them. Um, but, you know, we don't really know what happens when we sleep, where we go when we sleep. <laughs> now, do you feel uh, that people, if they would know about their past lives, they would have not to be afraid of dying anymore or of death anymore? You know, my, the, the, I, I received so many learnings from this, so many learnings. I mean, it would take, we would need a much longer conversation to talk about that. But one of them was changing my whole relationship with death, especially when you remember the place that you go to. You know, as somebody said yesterday, we'd call it the, the place, the life between lives. But this may be the life between lives. I mean, because you could stay in that world for a few hundred, a few hundred years, Earth time, because it's different time frame, the time frame there and the time frame here. So which is the real life? Is the real life here or is the real life there? Mm. It raised all kinds of questions to me. Uh, it certainly changed my relationship with that death. I think fear of death is kind of written into the DNA so that we would preserve our bodies, you know, um, but as you, as you begin to remember more, uh, uh, um, it just becomes, and as you identify less with this particular personality, uh, um, then, then death just becomes um, another chapter, you know, moving from one chapter. You know, it's like an actor taking different roles. You might get attached to one role you're playing, but look, you've got a whole new role to play. Can't hang on to the old role. <laughs> 
<laughs> some people also are very attached to their loved ones and their fear is that they will never see their loved ones again and that's you know that grief that scares them already to uh, to let go what is your experience with people you know in your lives in your past lives do you encounter them over and over again or are these just one-time uh, relationships uh, we, we we continue to recycle <laughs> i mean <laughs> recycling is a is a law of the universe all of nature does it and in the bright moon rises i talk about a love that couldn't find fulfillment and it finds fulfillment much later. But in my, I have a new book coming out in the fall where there's, there's also a story of, 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 of a love, um, of a love uh, that, that maintains itself over several thousands of years. And um, love is the abiding principle in the universe. Love is the magnetic force, is the attractive force. We attract our loved ones to us. Our loved ones attract us to them. Similarly, if there's a, is a, if there's a very, um, challenging relationship that's also an attractive force and we have to come back and meet that if there's somebody in your life with whom you have a very difficult relationship that's not the first time and if you don't resolve it there'll be another time in other words the universe has to balance itself out those those wrinkles have to be ironed out you have to resolve unresolved things and at the same time the force of love which is the force that keeps it all going and keeps it all together has to keep renewing itself. Mm. And so there is no separation. Whether we meet the loved ones when we leave from here or when we come back from here, the main thing is that we determine our own, our own fate. We are the drivers. There's no, there's no um, uh, uh, external force dictating how it's going to unravel for us. We are the higher self, not our ego, but the higher self is the one who carves out our path for us. Now, this brings me to the karma question. So when, you know, when you have gone through these different uh, past lives, I'm sure you saw themes of karma or patterns repeating themselves. Now, do you feel that we should be more aware of what our karma is in this life? Or is it intuitively that we are somehow noticing, well, there is something that repeats itself, probably I need to resolve it, whether it's, you know, being in a unhealthy relationship, or whether it's, you know, our challenges with addictions, or whatever those things are, what what do you feel? you know, the purpose of karma is and how do people know what their karma is to be resolved this lifetime? Karma is, is all for our benefit to help us awaken, even if it's a difficult karma. I mean, if you have a serious illness, it's there for a purpose uh, to, help you, um, to help you move beyond that situation. We don't have control over the situations that come to us because they're, they're all a result of things that have happened in the past. We have control of how we respond to them and we have control of our future because just as the past has shaped our present, our present is shaping the future. Anybody who has any, any who, who engages in reflection, self-reflection can see patterns, see patterns that have been useful for them, that they've developed over time, see patterns that are problematic, that, have, that they need to address so they don't continue into the future. But any, any harmonious relationship, you know, the, the few couples I know where you say, wow, that's really an ideal couple. It's not the first time. 
they've been working at it. I knew one couple and I always held them up, a spiritual couple. I said, you're just the ideal. And they said, we've been at it this for, for many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. in, in this lifetime, we've, we've worked into a very harmonious balance. Uh, but, but, you know, I think that, that uh, any, any self-reflection will show, will show us what we need to address in this life because you come in with certain tasks, right? You can't do, you can't resolve all your karma in one life unless you engage in very intense tapasya, spiritual meditation, which is a way of neutralizing um, these karmic seeds. But, but for most of us, we work through bits of karma and what we have to be careful about is not creating new situations for ourselves that need to be resolved, not, not, not creating um, desires, you know? Like God, I wish I was a I wish I was a Bill Gates and I had ten billion dollars, hundred billion dollars, and I could do. I mean, if that desire emerges and you really stay with it, well, you're gonna have to fulfill it at some point. So, so desires are creating karma. Desires are creating karma. If they're if they're deep desires, I mean, you know, if you want to go out and have an ice cream, <laughs> it's, it's an innocent desire. But the desires, you know, uh, if you or not, if you haven't found a good partner and you really want a relationship, you know, and you don't find it in this life, well, you'll find it in the next life or the next life. So you karma know? is not just doing something wrong and then having to clean up the mess later on. It's our desires, you know, because all desires need to find fulfillment. It's energy we put out, you know, we're, we're seeking something that we haven't actualized. Hmm. And so we're putting that out. Well, we have to actualize it at some point in the future. Now, there are innumerable ways that can happen. We can neutralize that desire through spiritual practice, or we can find its fulfillment at some point in the future. Uh, uh, you know, and so you don't get everything in one life. I mean, I think we have specific things that we set for ourselves to achieve in, in a, a specific life. I've seen that I've been able to fulfill certain um, uh, uh, issues that I've had that I've worked through over numerous lives. One of them was my feeling of, of not having a voice as a woman, mm -hmm. which has been with me for, for many, many lifetimes uh, of, of being married off for political reasons and, and being tossed about by circumstances and not really being in charge of my own, my own life. Um, and in this, this life that's been resolved, you know, uh, I've been able to do that. So I think it's, I think looking at your patterns of thinking and looking at the situation before you, you know, what, what, what is your life situation right now? You can see uh, what the patterns are. And but some people have like these, uh, I mean, especially right now, there seems to be the pattern of divisiveness. And there is a pattern of wanting to have more power, more wealth, more for me, more, more greed. That uh, is, is that something that needs to be fulfilled? to be resolved or is that something we would say like you need to reconnect to love and uh, a different consciousness i mean yes i think this desire for power i mean this brings us into another discussion which is about the yugas the cyclical view of history and where we are in that yes. how it governs the collective and uh, uh this this um concept of domination i call it the domination gene i don't like you know it's it's whether it's gender domination domination over nature economic domination, ethnic domination, racial. It's this sense of needing to be superior and needing to dominate. 
if you look back into the early part of the book when the bright moon rises, which was in a higher age, a Satya Yuga, that didn't exist. There wasn't a concept of domination. Don't forget, wars are relatively recent in human history. Uh, 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 weapons, torture, slavery, all those things are, are recent. And they came about with desire to dominate, you know, to gain control, conquer other lands, and then most recently, control nature. And even now, maybe it's controlling life, life force, you know, with, with engineering and technology. So that's what we're called to outgrow. So I think, you know, those who have extreme biases, right? I look at them and I say to myself, uh, either they were repressed in the past, you know, they say a, 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 um, a someone, a, 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 a child who's had child, been subjected to violence could become a violent parent. You can repeat behavior. So if somebody who's very racist either has been subjected to that in the past and they're getting back, or they're gonna be reborn in that situation so they can experience what it's like to be the victim of racism. Uh, so so you, can, you can resolve it in this lifetime, you know, better resolve it in this lifetime so you don't have to, you know, experience it in the future. Uh, but, but any kind of hatred toward any kind of group, uh, if you don't resolve it, then you're gonna be reborn into a situation where you're the receiver not the giver of that kind of attitude. But let's say you were the receiver in a past life. Is it really resolving if you are now the, the giver of domination? Is no. that really? A... If you were the receiver in a past life, there are many ways to respond to that. You could be, you could be a, a, a fighter against racism. Some mm -hmm. people would respond inside, deep inside. They remember what that was like, whether it's conscious or not, and they are going to fight against racism. Or you could say, I hate those people. I'm going to get back at them, you know, uh, and, and it may manifest in a different part of the world, in a different form, but the hatred is there. So it's a matter of you respond to your situations, your unfortunate situations with anger or with love. If not love, at least understanding and compassion, uh, uh, you know. Um, but are these uh, the guiding forces of the karma resolution? coming to a place where we are governed by love, compassion, and understanding. Yes, that's the place. I mean, you can, you can resolve a lot of karma in one life. I mean, there are people who receive, who attain enlightenment in one life and all their samsara, their, 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 what is karma? It's imprints, imprints in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the mind, uh, in the psyche that are, carried with us from lifetime that you carry these imprints all your past experiences are carried as imprints some scars are those imprints and so you can work through all those imprints with determination with will and with spiritual practice emerging into this place of love or or you can work through them little by little uh, depending on where you are as a soul in your journey you know how awake you are the more conscious you are the more quickly you work through these samsaras. And the goal is to neutralize them. So if you return to earth, it's, it's, it's as a bodhisattva, it's only to serve. It's not because you have unfulfilled desires or unresolved relationships. You return only to serve humanity. 
So what do you feel like, you know, when you're looking at these different past lives and these different states of societies that you have observed? I mean, are we in trouble? Are we just going completely more and more into this domination of nature and creating more disconnect from our soul or disconnect from love as uh, we are progressing? I think we're at I think we're at a transition point, and that's where we see the polarization. You have a large, you have a growing community of people who've been doing spiritual practice, who've been doing reflective uh, reflections and and spiritual work, uh, who are moving into the space of love, and then you have those who have not done that, who are who are filled with anger and working out issues from the past, and so you have this intense polarization. I believe we're on an upward swing now, and that we we're being called, and don't forget, there's always help from the higher beings, we're being called to evolve beyond this domination uh, mentality. And sometimes when you're working through an issue, it gets exaggerated, but you look at all the positive, it's coming out in the open now. It's no longer hidden. You know, I can just speak from here in the US, when Obama got, got elected, we thought, wow, we've really, we've, we've fixed our problems. <laughs> no more racism in this country. <laughs> We've elected a black president. Little did we know that there's a whole population that was so angry about that, that there was gonna be a backlash, but it brought it out into the open. Mm. It, everything which was lurking beneath the surface is now out in the open and we have to look at ourselves as a nation and say, oh my God, we've got a lot of unresolved things as a collective to work through. And uh, I've been very interested in how a collective, but that I see that we won't have time to go into this, how a collective can work through their collective karma, because just as there's individual karma, there's of collectives, of nations, of people, uh, and how you work through that is is um, is, is more complex. <laughs> so when you're saying we are in a transition period, so in the ideal scenario, let's say we all do our work and we all are evolving more consciously where are we heading towards what is the vision of the world that you would hope will transpire eventually i think and there's again there's no timing how long it takes and how many uh, uh disasters will awaken more and more people because disasters awaken people i think we're moving toward an ecological civilization where we realize our connection that we destroy nature we destroy ourselves and that we have to be in a more caring and loving relationship with all of the natural world. I think that's one thing. And I think we're also moving toward new social and economic systems where there's greater care for people, uh, where we realize that we're all interlinked. If a part of us suffers, we all suffer. A part of us is brought down, we all are brought down. We're linked to each other. I mean, we talk about interconnection now, but if we really understand it, then we understand that everything is linked to everything else. And we have to lift the whole in order for any one of us to truly be lifted. So we have to begin to work with the, a holistic vision now of the human community and of the earth community. I certainly want to live there. So <laughs> now what can we do as individuals, in your opinion, just to do our piece, to get there, to help us transition there? Don't forget, we're each a part of that collective and more, more awakened pieces in that collective helps the whole thing. It's like the hundredth monkey. And so the more we can um, 
I heard recently someone say that you want to you want to see whether you're making spiritual progress, are you becoming kinder? Are you becoming a kinder person? I think we're meant to work exactly where we are, in our families, in our communities, in our earth communities, uh, spending more time sitting by the river, spending more time walking in a forest. It's critically important now to be to to develop a loving relationship with nature. Nature is in crisis. The forests are disappearing, the waters are polluted. It's not just using technology to fix it all. It's, it's being in a, it's, it's caring. It's showing the forest that we love them, showing the rivers that we love them, uh, showing the soil that we love it. So, so spending time with that consciousness is critically important right now. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then feeling connected to, to the suffering that's taking place in different parts of the world without moving from our meditation seat, just expanding ourselves to feel connected to it all. Beautiful. And I think we all can really do more of that. And especially spending more time also in gratitude for nature and for the animals and uh, for our neighbors and all those things that uh, we often just take for granted or overlook. So Dina, so much gratitude for you that you were here today and uh, i definitely want to invite you again for a future episode because there is so much more we could have been talking about but you certainly i think gave a lot of people inspiration and you continue through your work so how can people find out more about your books and your work where do they go to well they can go to amazon Uh, all my books are on amazon and if you just type in books by dina miriam uh, you'll get all the books and I also have a, a public page on Facebook, Dina Miriam public page, where I do book readings uh, every few weeks. Uh, and then my organization, the Global Peace Initiative of Women, which does a lot of work with, with young ecologists. Um, uh, and we have a, um, a website, gpiw.org, and a Facebook page, GPIW, Global Peace Initiative of Women. So you are easily to be found. So (laughs) again, thank you very much. And I thank Thank you you all for tuning in today. And uh, just remember every day and every moment to do your part to create a blueprint for the future and a blueprint for a world that is more harmonious and more sustainable than it has been so far. So I'm looking forward to having you again on Get Real.